Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and other cool stuff. And today we're going to have an especially fun conversation with Ellen Joven, famous for The Grammar Table, and now with a new book out called Rebel with a Clause. Welcome, Ellen. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm sitting in the grammar empire, I feel like. Oh, I wonder. <laughs> I know we both have our bookcases behind us, the, uh, you know, required uh, wordy person Zoom background. Um, so for people who don't know, which hopefully isn't too many people, but tell people a little bit about uh, The Grammar Table and then your book. Um, well, The Grammar Table is a almost four-year-old project that I began in um, 2018. It's uh literally a folding table that I got for like $40 and I unfolded it and stuck a grammar table sign on it and then waited to see what would happen. And, um, uh, people came up and asked me grammar questions right away, not exclusively grammar necessarily, you know, it ends up being pretty wide ranging about language, but they come up and ask me questions or they file complaints. You know, some people are a little bit annoyed about certain things or we just shoot the breeze about language. Yeah. So, okay. Actually, before we get to the book, I have to ask you, this was my first thought when I very first heard about your what you were doing. What on earth possessed you to put a table out on the street to talk to people about grammar? <laughs> <laughs> I really wish that I could track exactly what happened in my brain, but you know, I live in New York and there are people with tables for stuff. You, often it's things that you don't really want to talk about, you know, or they're selling knockoffs or whatever, but I mean, there is a, his, it's such a pedestrian city that, and by pedestrian, I don't mean dull. I mean, there are lots of pedestrians here. Um, and so there's often this kind of conversation and public space thing happening anyway. And uh, just, I think when I was getting really tired of being on a computer, it's too much computer. There were too many computer hours in my life. And I thought, oh, I need more people time. And so I just moved all the grammar nerdery that was taking place on my social media accounts um, and in Facebook groups I belong to, and I moved it to the street. How nice. So I guess you were a little bit ahead of the curve in, you know, getting away from social media and getting back into like interacting with, with people in the real world. Um, I don't know. Well, I, maybe, I think plenty of people have been doing this, have been trying to do this for a while. I am still on a computer an awful lot. The pandemic was not great for that. You know, moving away from the computer during COVID was not 
super easy. Um, but I, I really do love, I really do love talking. Like right now, I'm very happy because I'm talking about grammar with you. As um, am I. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I find that when I'm on, it's like, you know, when I was a kid and I would watch too much TV, you know, like Saturday mornings, the cartoons would be on. I'd watch hour after hour and I would get cranky. Of course, I wouldn't know, admit that I was cranky, but I would get cranky. And the same thing happens with computers and, you know, even though I like, I love, I love posting things and tweeting things. I love writing generally. So social media is like one big writing project as far as I'm concerned. It's still, it's still a lot of, of non-human contact. And as you know, it changes things when you are actually speaking live. It's just different. Yeah. And I actually was going to say you are still very much on social media. You do these wonderful Twitter polls all the time that I see. Did the Twitter polls come before the grammar table or after? Well, they definitely came after because I didn't have the grammar table account till the grammar table existed. So that's also, I think that is also just from 2018. Um, and it took me a little while to realize, you know, these, the, the ability of different um, media to handle the exact things I wanted in a poll that varies. I used to do a lot of polling um, and questions on Facebook, but it doesn't. Um, the thing about Twitter polls is that you have anonymity in the responses, and so people don't necessarily want you to know how they voted. You know, they might feel embarrassed or self conscious. And you also, the other thing is that on Twitter, you can't see how everyone else is voting before you vote. And I find it on Facebook, if I post an identical poll, it, it skews way off in one direction because people start seeing a trend and then that affects their answers. You got to oh, keep like it the... blind. They, yeah, you have to not let, let people know how other people are voting until they've made a decision. Oh, that's fascinating. So there's a pile-on effect. Everyone yes, wants to go, there's with, a go grammar, with the crowd. It's a grammar <laughs> pile-on, completely. That's amazing. And so are you are you are you ever surprised by the responses to your Twitter polls? Like often or or never? Not often? I am I am about um one one percent of the time, I think. One to two percent, pretty rarely. Um I mean sometimes I'll be a little surprised by a gap, but uh, it will still be in the direction I expected. But you know, I post a lot. So one to two percent, it's a fairly regular uh occurrence that I say, wow, that isn't what I expected. <laughs> well, that's interesting too, because I would think of almost anyone, you would have your sort of finger on the pulse of uh, what people are thinking since you've actually been out talking to people. Often those, those polls where I'm surprised are things that people message me about, you know, and say, hey, I have this question. So it will be something that I haven't necessarily thought about before. And it might be from a non-native speaker who has a different way of thinking about a language topic, or if it involves um, slang that's more common for a younger person, I, you know, I might not have heard it at all ever in my life. So I like, I like to think that the grammar table is an opportunity to keep me fresh, you know, not that I yeah. necessarily am going to go out and use it because who needs who needs a middle-aged woman using teenage slang? But I just like to know what people are doing. <laughs> Hello, fellow kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I love your book, The Rebel with a Clause. Um, did that? Did you go into the Grammar Table Project with the idea of writing it up as a book, or did that come sort of midway or after you got started? 
it didn't cross my mind at all, which in retrospect, I think is kind of weird because I'd actually, I mean, I'd already written, I was in the middle, when I started the grammar table, I was in the middle of writing a grammar book for business people. Um, And I had also, I had an agent who had been encouraging me to write a book about grammar since something like 2014, you know, like a general interest grammar book. And I hadn't really picked, you know, I hadn't really thought of an angle that interested me because I have plenty of grammar books that I like reading, you know, like people like you have written grammar books already. So um, um, I didn't really have, I felt like I didn't have something really that, that fresh. And when I set up the grammar table, for some reason, the thing did not intersect in my head with my book writing interest at all. And it took people actually saying to me, this seems like it could be a book. You should write a book. And I thought, oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I really have no idea why it didn't occur to me. But it was was completely hedonistic. I just wanted to have fun and do something that I thought would have meaning, that would touch me, that would make me laugh. And uh, I mean, I'm glad that the book grew out of it, but, but I really need to be more on the ball in the future. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Remember the frustration of trying to memorize vocabulary and grammar rules only to find you couldn't actually use the language in real life? Well, there's a better way to learn. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program with millions of users learning 25 different languages, and you can get it on your desktop or as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with its intuitive process. It's really different. You pick up the language naturally, first with words, then the phrases, and then with sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Grammar Girl listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Is it rosettastone.com slash grammar. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash grammar today. Well, and Rubble with a Clause, the book, it really is different from any book I remember seeing about grammar because you have so many stories. It's it's really half grammar and or, or writing advice and half people's stories. And um, 
gosh, I just loved that about it. And and it seemed like you had some favorite people you interacted with because they show up more than once in the book. And and so the I, I'm wondering, there's the two construction workers that seem like you talked to them for quite a while. Do you want to um, tell people a little bit about them? Sure. That was in Decatur, Alabama. And, you know, by the way, the spots sometimes pick themselves. Like I didn't, I didn't actually, I think when we entered, I'm not even sure when I entered Alabama that I knew we were going to Decatur yet. It's not that far from Huntsville. Um, so often we'd be heading, we being my husband, Brant Johnson and I, um, Brant filmed the whole thing, as you know, um, and is making a documentary about it. Um, so I believe Around the time I crossed the state line, I knew that we were going to Decatur maybe, and uh, I'd never been there before. I didn't know anything about it, but it looked like a town that had streets. And that's you know, that's the main, if you're going to put a grammar table on the street, that's the main thing you need is, uh, <laughs> you need is a street. Um, and uh, we set up in front of a, a barbecue place, and it wasn't entirely clear to me how much traffic we would yeah, it wasn't like it's not like Manhattan. You always have to try to pick places where there, there will be at least some people. And these two guys came along. It was I think it was before noon. I think it was morning when we got there late morning and um, they were playing hooky from their construction <laughs> job. They were in their early 20s and they were absolutely hilarious. I think some I, I think it's possible some people might have been a little put off because they were drunk. It was, you know, 11 something and <laughs> they were a little, they were a little off color at times. But one of the great adventures about this is just seeing how people are in different parts of the country. I mean, we are pretty similar. We all have, you know, similar types of limb functions and vocal cords and things <laughs> like that. And we eat and we sleep um, uh, and do a lot of the same things. But I couldn't have predicted the things that would have that were that came out of their mouth, their <laughs> mouths. They didn't have one mouth. They actually had each had their own mouth. But the mm. things that came out of their mouths and the things that they said to each other and to me um, were just amazing. One of them was a huge grammar and calligraphy nerd. And so he was I think he was around 20. I forget. Twenty three, twenty four. And he was annoyed with his father because his father in texts would abbreviate and put things like the letter K for okay. And it annoyed him because he wanted his father to write out full words. And he also hated when people didn't use commas. So he all he showed me his texts on his phone. He was all excited. He opened up his phone. He showed me how in his texts he had full commas. And he wanted to know if I liked his punctuation, which I did. I told him I liked his punctuation. Um, I believe I wasn't enthusiastic enough, so I had to reiterate. Yes, I really love your punctuation. You know, he, he. I think he actually. I would have to look this up, but he definitely does the comma for direct address. You know, so if he addresses someone, comma, then he goes on. But I think he even did, hey, comma, you, comma, instead of, so like, and then kept going wow. from there. So he's heavy on the, heavy on the commas, and. Um, he really wanted to to discuss the apostrophe in y'all, which is oh, right. not my area of expertise because I don't say y'all. 
I don't think mm-hmm. you say y'all either, do you? Or well, I, when I was a, a restaurant hostess, I used in college. I used y'all, even though I lived in Seattle, because it was a, a, it, it's the best way I think to address a group of people that you know they come in and they want a table. And if I was saying, you know, would you like a table in, <laughs> on the patio? You know, I would. I would. My eyes would start darting around like, which you am I addressing? And so, so I ended up using y'all, even though I lived in Seattle, because I found it so useful. But I haven't used it since. It's expired. <laughs> it expired after that. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So he was, he was annoyed that so many people put Y A apostrophe L L instead of Y apostrophe A L L. He was indignant mm-hmm. about it. Cause it's you all. <laughs> yeah. And he, um, I mean, it was perfect. The discussion was profane enough that I, I actually, when I was in the copy editing process, no pre copy editing, one of the editors, wanted to remove some of the dialogue. So I had to clean up the book a little bit. I remember that part, reading the the advanced review copy. There's a sentence where it says, and then he said something my editor asked me to take out or something like that. And I thought, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a good editorial choice, actually. But I did want to honor it with a notation, you know, with a note that that something had been removed so people would <laughs> be able to use their imaginations. How funny. Well, that was one question I had is, were you writing the book as you were traveling or did you wait until the end after you were all finished and then start writing? Um, I wanted to be writing as I travel. I had all these grand ambitions for all the wonderful things I would get done while on the road. So I was planning to, you know, get transcripts from the videos, turn them into a book. By the time I was done traveling, I'd have the book done. I mean, it was really delusional. (laughs) (laughs) I was hanging on by a thread. I mean, it takes, it takes, the rhythm was roughly that, you know, let's say we were going to two cities that were six to eight hours apart. I mean, that's, that's like one day driving, one day with the grammar table, rest, and then leave the next day. And it's very busy, you know, and and then I'd I'd be reserving hotels from the car and and stuff like that. So, and I, and I would get tired at night. It's, you know, it was a lot of what I did was in the summer. So it was hot and I'd be sweaty and dragging the table around. And, um, because, you know, Brant would often, I, I used to joke about this a lot because when we I would book hotels that were reasonably close to where I thought I'd want to set up. So we would leave the hotel and Brent wanted to film me carrying the table. So I'd be dragging the books and carrying the table and he'd be on the other side of the street, you know, filming. <laughs> and, and I was like, I was like, Hey, there's something wrong with this picture. <laughs> a, a table to me sounds like something that would be heavy and books are heavy. <laughs> yes. But, but it's it is actually really great the footage that we have because you can see me like I feel like maybe I shouldn't be talking about this because this feels like maybe it's sort of behind this you know maybe it's meant to stay behind the the movie scenes but it's just funny I find it funny goofy like it makes me laugh to see me hauling um stuff through the streets of New Orleans it just looks silly and that's why one of the reasons I like this so much because Often people think of grammar as serious. And for me, it is a hoot. Like there's so much, there's so many ways you can have fun. You know, the way people argue with each other, they get into these heated discussions. I mean, my dream for next Thanksgiving is that instead of fighting over politics, people will um, have a whole bunch of Thanksgiving arguments over punctuation or something. And then, you know, it will just be a lot calmer. 
Yeah, I try to do that around the holidays. I try to put out um, topics that people can talk about, like what, you know, ask your grandparent whether they called it a sofa or a couch. Uh, oh, that's up, good. You know, yeah. Some, so something if, people can talk about. Yeah, I don't have a lot of sofa couch expertise. What do you say? Um, I say couch. I grew up saying couch. I think sofa, oh, if I, I forget now, but I think maybe it's more of an East Coast thing. Um, you know what? I can't remember what I say now. I think, I think I might be split. And I did spend about half my life on the West Coast and then the other half here. So I know. I do love that New York is such a walkable city, like you were saying. Um, you know so, what? I oh, just realized I did not spend half and half. I've been here way longer. I think apparently I think I'm a lot younger than I am. Okay, <laughs> just, I just had to fix that math. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. So I know. So Brandt is filming this whole thing, or he was filming this whole thing. Um, so when is the documentary coming out? I'm not sure. He's pretty far along now. He worked on it. All you know during during the pandemic, I wrote the book, and he he worked on the documentary. So he has about a feature length body of work now that he's refining. And I mean, there's a lot of stuff left to do, but it's taking shape. So when it That's happens, amazing. we'll know. Yeah. And what's next then? Grammar Table the Musical? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Grammar Table the Musical. Um, of course, I'll have to take voice. Um, singing. I'll have to take singing lessons, dance lessons, acting lessons. Um, or we could just skip me altogether. That would probably be easier because the skills required for a musical are not really skills I showed up with. Um, I was in choir in eighth grade, but I feel like it was a charity spot that I got. <laughs> I hear a lot of people learned um, to pronounce um, before. So when you say uh, like the event instead of the event, um, and, but it's it's the movie, like the difference in pronunciation between the and the, a lot of people tell me they learned that in choir. That's I never what I've heard as, that's what I've heard as well. However, if I was taught that in choir, I don't recall that. And I don't think it's something that I wouldn't recall. That is exactly the kind of thing I would recall. Um, so maybe I was absent that day, or maybe um, I'm just a sloppy uh, pronunciator. I don't <laughs> um, but, but that is something that I have had complaint. I, I have had a couple of complaints about my pronunciation of that. Yeah. The same here, but I never oh, took you choir. Have? Yeah. Oh yeah. And I never took choir. So that's why people tell me, Oh, I learned it in choir. And I'm like, Oh, there you go. I'm excused. I didn't take choir. <laughs> well, I also, you know, I did, I did, um, I did, uh, check with Merriam Webster about, um, I wrote Peter Sokolowski once about this because uh, I was, I was, you know, the, I had these complaints about my, I think it was like the orange or something. I think I said something like the orange. Mm -hmm. And um, so I consulted with Peter and he said he didn't know how anyone could call that wrong. Hmm. Interesting. Well, so good it's just, yeah. uh, quite that might be a, an approximation of what he actually said, but you know, he's, he's a descriptivist. So he's yeah. going to, He's, he, he support, he was supportive of my ways, although I'm abs I'm sure he doesn't do that. I'm sure he is a the <laughs> apple, the orange kind of person. Um, whereas I now know that people have been noticing this about me and just silently keeping that 
in their hearts. In their hearts. Well, that reminds me of another thing I was going to ask you because I heard that you wrote to the French Academy with a language question. And I have always been intrigued by the French Academy and their, um, uh, prescriptivism about language and hatred of English, essentially. And <laughs> so, so, so is this something you do regularly is write to authorities? Um, in fact, I think I have a history of doing that once. That's my recollection. Well, I did, you know, when I first moved to New York, I did actually, I remember I wanted to know the official word on the plural of, um, no. Yeah. The plural possessive of sister-in-law, mm-hmm. which, you know, basically I just wouldn't do because you, okay. So you make it plural, you get sisters-in-law. So I want to know then what would you do to make that uh, a possessive? Mm. And so I wrote to an English department and it might've been at Columbia. It might've been somewhere else. I don't really remember, but I had this impression when I was 24 that people would just know the answer to this question that I could rely on it and be authoritative um, and I remember the the answer I got back did not impress me. I just thought, <laughs> no, that's not right. And I don't remember, I no longer remember what the, the answer was. I mean, I just wouldn't do, I just wouldn't do the possessive of, of plural of sister-in-law. You don't have to be able to do every single thing you want to in life. Sometimes you have to work, have workarounds for language challenges. Because if you put it sister's apostrophe in law, that's going to be weird. Yeah. Yeah, and it's going to be weird, weird if it's sisters in law apostrophe s. No, can't do that. So anyway, um, maybe that was the beginning of my grammar adventures. That moment, I realized mm-hmm. there's not an ultimate authority, you know. And I yeah. like that. I like the wild west, wild west nature of this. Like you trot around, things surprise you. Things they things pop out from behind doors. Um, you know, it just you don't know what you're going to encounter, and that's also why I enjoy setting up in places where I haven't been to see people I wouldn't know otherwise. So did the French Academy answer your question? They did. And it was, you know, it was one of those things about um, pronunciation, pronouncing the consonant at the end of a normally silent, a word that would end with a silent consonant. You sometimes pronounce that consonant if the next word begins with a vowel. And, um, the answer was along the lines of one should do it. One should pronounce it in this case. Um, but I actually did a poll about the very question the other day. And I think I have to go back. You know, you're reminding me. I need to go back and look at it. It was definitely not something that people agreed about very much when I did this huh. Twitter poll about. I, sometimes I usually post questions about English on on my Twitter account, but other languages creep in for for fun, and I have to go back and see how many people actually pronounce the consonant at the end of this verb. Well, I I I think slightly higher of them because they answered your question. So like, good for them. <laughs> so, and that also, you English. It's not just English that you're into, right? Yeah, you have studied many many languages, right? Um, yes, I have. And they're sitting behind me um, on my bookshelves, alphabetized mostly by um, language, although I can see there's a little chaos over somewhere in this corner. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, I, may I add something about the um, the French thing? Sure. Um, yeah. So on on the one hand, I love English because 
you don't really have this authority being so bossy about how things should be done. But I think the reality is that a lot of people just want uh, to know what's best to do in a given situation. They want to move on with their lives. They don't want not everyone wants to sit there and discuss plural formation of irregular nouns in English for two hours at a time. And <laughs> I think that some of the the um, descriptive impulse, you know, oh, well, there are all these ranges. This, there's this range of things you can do. While really interesting on the one hand, I think it frustrates students who just want to move along and live mm-hmm. their lives, earn a living, raise their children, enjoy recreational time at the beach. So um, we can't expect everyone to like that gray area as well as, you know, some of us might like it. I like the mushiness. Um, but anyway, yeah, so um, going back to the languages. Uh, around 2009, actually in 2009, I started a language learning project that I think I was originally, oh, yes, I was originally planning to do a year, um, a month per language. And just, you know, I I, I wanted to just spend time getting as quickly uh, as intensively into the basics of each as I could in a month. And I realized that was stupid pretty quickly. I changed it to three months and then the project became two years, then three years, and then it extended, I think in the end, about eight to nine years of language study. And initially it was really like, I went, I went completely crazy. I would do it every <laughs> single day. I think I did hundreds, something like 700 days in a row without doing like serious actual study. I don't mean like um, doing Duolingo for three minutes. I mean, like I'd really study stuff and I loved it. It connected me with this whole global language nerd community, people who love studying languages just for the sake of studying languages. And it was great. I went to conferences. I co-organized a conference for, for polyglots. Um, and it also expanded my idea of what grammar is and can be. And, um, I think that's valuable in English, because we can get a little complacent if we sit in it too long with so many people speaking it. There's so many different ways that the human brain can put ideas together and represent them on a page. And it's great fun to explore that. It's world opening. It connects. I, I find that like studying a little bit of a language with a different script, it just makes me feel closer. I don't know. I, I mean, maybe this is obnoxious to say, but I it makes me feel closer to the people who, who use it. And like, if I can even read what's on their store signs or I can recognize some words online, or if I hear it in a video, I can understand it. Um, it makes, it makes me feel like more part of the human community. And, and that's very moving to my heart. Uh, well, your love of language and especially English, but all languages really comes through and, and how, fun it can be and how you make it fun for everyone else who's reading your work or talking with you really comes through. So um, especially in your book, uh, Rebel with a Clause, which is out, you know, I, I think when this runs, it'll be just out so people can go buy it. Rebel with a Clause by Ellen Joven. And um, wh- what else would you like to tell people, Ellen, before we go? I think um, there people are welcome to visit me at my Grammar Table account at Grammar Table on Twitter. That is where I am currently most um, active. And I think um, also it would be fun to mention one of my friends on Twitter, one of my Twitter language geek friends um, commented on how it would be fun to interpret the title as uh, imperative, like rebel with a clause. 
Ah. So that could be, you know, like a, a, a proposal for your listeners. <laughs> kind of like March 4th, National Grammar Day. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. It'll make language even more fun. Rebel with a clause. <laughs> that's wonderful. Well, thanks so much again for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's an honor and a, a, a pleasure to speak to you. Oh, it's all mine. Thanks. Bye. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.